Welcome to All Tea, No Shade, where I'm just living my best life, trying to keep it real, trying to keep it cute, definitely trying to keep it real cute. Now let's spill some tea. What shook the father was why his 23-year-old son was found in the shower with a man of Ian's age. It was the shower, not a bathtub. There's a difference. And if you ask any of the 40 or some odd people who were there that night, They might each tell you their version of what happened that night while they were there. For all but four of us, it's a story that happened whilst Sean was still alive. From potatoes to porn stars, you name it, there was an eclectic bunch that night. Little did anyone expect to find out Somebody died at the party they had a blast at. That's because all they got to see before they left and went home or elsewhere that night, before everything went down, was Sean alive. What shook the mom was losing her precious baby boy before his time. And she never knew she would lose her baby to an alleged accidental overdose. Only one person shared his final moments with him. And only he knows what happened before we rescued him in that shower that morning. It was already too late for Sean at that point. Body lifeless, not breathing, and lips blue as his body was carried out of the shower. And Ian, who was captive in the shower until that same moment with Sean. As we finally moved him down onto the bedroom floor. What shook me the most is when I found out he didn't send flowers or condolences to the family. Not a single thing. That's gut-wrenching considering how well-received he is by the community. It's ironic considering his perceived negligence and active libido are what got in the way of his own judgment in his own home during the lengthy duration of time he spent in the shower with Sean alive and the unknown amount of time he spent in the shower with him dead. I wonder if all the stream, I wonder if all the steam in the bathroom would have made Sean's last breaths any harder or would have made them easier.
Moreover, it begged the question, how long before we found them had Sean actually taken his last breath? And why, in the same amount of time, was it that we found only one of the two of them dead and the other alive, but both stuck in the same shower for yet disclosed amount of time? We had such fun times together. He would make me laugh, and I would make him laugh for the stupidest things. We once created this club called the House of Twerk, Thought, where all members were assigned a character based on Thai Beanie Babies. I was a magic unicorn, and he was Zigzag. Those were cute moments where we were living our lost childhood memories and making some of our own. Another time we walked from Hell's Kitchen to Harlem just because we didn't want the subway to ruin our conversation. Too bad the last conversation we would ever have was about how life and how happy he was finally seeing some positive gains. That was in the basement of Bartini. We also once went to this private after party where only one of us came back alive. Even if, would have, even if I would have known that would be the last night, I don't know how much different it could have been at a base level. We got to hang out together all night. Including when his lifeless body was pulled from the shower and CPR was attempted to no avail by one of the remaining attendees. We were the first first response team that morning. But CPR didn't bring us any closer to reviving his non-beating heart and bringing him back to life. The gag was when our phones were taken from us so we couldn't make the call to the police or EMS in the precinct. We had to wait for him to finish his phone calls before we even got back <clears throat> our phones. Then the paramedics arrived about 30 minutes or so later and came in with paddles and a defibrillator. By then, Sean had already been unconscious and lifeless for over 45 minutes on the bedroom floor alone. Notwithstanding the amount of time he had already spent on the shower floor with his back pressed against the shower door. So by the time he got to the hospital, that was no less than two hours lifeless. I don't think I'll ever forget seeing his lifeless body on that hospital bed, officially pronounced dead by the nurse who showed us 
not his family. The first call was to Charlie, halfway across the world at the time. I had to tell him that Sean was helpless to the apparent negligence shown him by the host and died in the shower with him, the former Ted Cruz host. Yeah, he hosted Ted Cruz during his presidential campaign in 2016, a year after I'd ha- I had to have my stomach pumped after having tried to call it quits for good because of everything in the way that had happened and played out in the aftermath of this. If not for him, then for who? Not myself, but for the family. And then for myself. Because yes, I have carried this burden alone. It is a burden that I should not have to carry. I walk this road seemingly alone, like the only battle I never chose, but that chose me. I had a burden to bear, and I had bore it like a martyr. I lost my friends. I couldn't hold on to the loves, one of the loves of my life. A part of me died with him. The part of me that had free-flowing fun running through my veins. Self-control, composure, confidence, my smile, my way, my life. I haven't stopped losing since. To my peers, you don't know me or what I am. Who are you to decide how trauma affects me? This somehow still isn't about me and it never was. It wasn't my fault. I still blame myself. Fuck you for having ever questioned the sincerity of debuting something as emotional as Vivica, with whom I created with Sean, and saw coming to life at the same at the famed Stonewall Inn. That was he and I's baby together. So yes, there are emotions attached, and she hasn't come out since. As if I should have to defend myself. Why now? Why not now? If you knew what it was like to carry this kind of burden when nobody has your back, nobody had my back. Vilified for victimizing myself. Every magazine article was wrong, claiming quotes from cops of things that were just flat out wrong. Timeline discrepancies, vilifying a victim. Why now? What do you want? What do you want them to know? 
how an innocent night with our friend can turn into a never-ending nightmare that involves drugs, death, and destruction, and you suddenly find yourself playing the prosecution and defendant in your personal mental trial. He wasn't prominent enough to make the major headlines, which is not shocking considering how the media portrayed him following the incident. I'm not sure his family have ever received the closure they deserved, not even flowers or a card or even an apology. They tried to piece together the just of what happened, also hearing conflicting stories between what's been reported and what may have been just gossip. One thing is for sure, the community lost one of its angels far too soon, and the one individual who should have taken the brunt of responsibility has never appeared to be all too remorseful, at least not in front of my eyes. That seems lower than low, even for this Ted Cruz-loving hypocrite. Was there a payoff or a corruption cover-up? Maybe some fortunate mistakes that were made in the chain of custody? The world may never know, because the whole situation went hush fast enough to make your head spin, at least in the public eye. But for some, for some of us, it's not just that easy and has fundamentally changed my life and the way that it will play out until I die. son of two loving parents they never gave up hoping their son's death wasn't painful they made an emotional plea to anyone they could find to find out what happens to their baby boy in his final hours but it was all for naught no answers no leads no witnesses to be found just a grieving mother and her husband desperate for answers. The media published several stories which painted a very different picture of what that night wrought with lies, fairy tales, and false facts that painted Sean out to be a young, drug-addicted gold digger after his money like so many before. They posted pictures of him smoking cigarettes and shirtless, as if he was some cracked out junkie with nothing more going for him than to parade his godlike physique around for show to get what he wanted. That couldn't be any further from the truth of that night, and from the truth of what Sean truly was. And little did they know, their word wasn't their world wasn't the only one turned upside down and utterly destroyed. The truth of what really happened on that faithful October night has been tight-lipped and vacuum-sealed. A mere four or five articles online were found vaguely describing the incident with some repetitive details, most of which were about as far from the truth as possible. Well, 
about as far from the truth as they were from the spotlight. The stories were short-lived. Privilege won out, and the incident was swept under the rug so quickly it'd make your head spin. The last article stated that the coroner's report was to be scheduled the next day. Then, no more updates came. The hush around the community was definitely silent. With only four people who held the keys to what unfolded that night, it's no wonder they were able to buy the stories out and make it go so quietly, so quickly. What could you expect from a real estate developer, self-made millionaire turned political activist who hosted sitting Senator Ted Cruz during his presidential run in 2016. Cruz, known for spewing biblical anti-gay rhetoric, took the time to sit down with Ian and partner for lunch and a convenient photo op. So many questions remained. Who were the other attendees? Who were the final four? Where are they now? What happened in that shower? Was this an accident or negligence? What did they see? What really went down in that shower? How long did his body remain lifeless on the floor of the shower before help arrived in the form of two of the final four guests? Why did he take the phones away from us? Who was he on the phone with before giving them back to us? When asked to join us at the hospital, why did he instead offer Xanax to each of us and tell us to go home and sleep it off? Did all three witnesses get interviewed by the detective? And why weren't lawyers present? Where was the follow-up? How big was the cover-up? Why wasn't he pronounced dead on arrival? Who are the victims here? How deep were the pockets? Parents. All they wanted were answers. And what they end up with? No answers. No apologies. No condolences. No flowers. No remorse. And no sun. Thank you again for listening to All Tea No Shade. My name is Xander Alexander, and I try to keep it real. I try to keep it cute, and I always try to keep it real cute. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. And that's the tea.